0: One of the hallmark teachings of the Second Vatican Council is the universal call to holiness. The council proclaimed all the Christian faithful of whatever state or rank are called to the fullness of Christian life and to the perfection of charity. In other words, holiness is not reserved to priests and nuns. The call to holiness is universal he doesn't call anyone to mediocrity; he calls us to be saints, as the council says. All are called to the fullness of Christian life and the perfection of charity. So, what does it mean that the call to holiness is universal? We might associate the word "universal" with something impersonal, like the universal laws of physics. Was universal because it pertains to all? physical bodies in the universe. But the call to holiness is not universal in that sense. Rather, it's a personal call to every individual. We see that in the scriptures. God doesn't call humanity as a mass to holiness. He calls individuals. He calls Abraham. He calls Peter. He calls Matthew. So his call is not like a radio signal that goes out indifferently in every direction it's like a phone call that's directed to each person one by one and it's directed to you he calls you to be a saint the problem is that we don't want to be saints and we don't want to be saints because we have a misconception about what holiness is we think that to become saints we have to cease to be humans and become angels But the truth is, we haven't yet begun to be fully human. If you are going to become a saint, you need to become more truly who you are. Not someone you're not. You have to become who you really are. And that's what St. John says in the second reading. He says, See what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called children of God. Yet so we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. See, this call to holiness is a call to live into who we really are, who we already are. We are already God's children in virtue of our baptism. And if we grasped what that means and the full implication of that, we would realize that holiness is not so far off. The foundation is already laid. So what is this holiness to which we're called? I want to highlight just one aspect of it that runs through all three of tonight's readings, and that is purity. The first reading from Revelation describes the multitude of saints from every nation, race, people, and tongue. And the elder says, these are the ones who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Throughout the book of Revelation, white robes symbolize purity. Then the first letter of John, the second reading, says, Everyone who has this hope based on him makes himself pure, as he is pure. Again, purity. And then Jesus, in the Gospel, in the Beatitudes, says, Blessed are the clean of heart, which in other translations is blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Purity, it seems to me, is even more misunderstood than holiness. At best, we regard it as something noble but unattainable. Or maybe a virtue for children and cloistered nuns, but not for full-grown men and women living in the world. Our culture associates purity with being prudish and timid. We think that to be pure means to tiptoe through life, avoiding contact with anything that would render us unclean or impure. Ultimately, we think that purity is lacking vitality. But that's all false. Purity doesn't make one timid or weak. On the contrary... Purity is the guarantee of the strength of our love. Purity is the guarantee of the strength of our love. Look at the saints, how intense their love was, how red their blood, how their hearts pounded with love. And they were pure. Or look at Christ. Because of his purity, he connected so deeply with every person he encountered every leper he touched, every person he spoke with, he was all there because of the purity of his heart. He could encounter someone and he didn't seek anything for himself. He was completely committed and his love wasn't divided by selfish interests and ulterior motives. It's impurity that makes us weak because it divides our love and disperses it, nor does purity entail retreating from the world to live a timid, isolated life. Again, look at the saints. Consider Mother Teresa. I know many of you have seen a video of Mother Teresa. It's amazing the way she touches people, isn't it? She has these gnarled, worn worn hands from, from so many years of service. When she takes these kids and she grabs them by the hand and she rubs them on the head and she's always grabbing people's faces and touching people. Well, her purity allows her to get out of herself and to connect, to really connect with those whom she's with. So purity doesn't disconnect us from others. It's what allows us to truly see them. And that's what Jesus says in the Gospel. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Purity of heart is what allows us to see The social climber, for example, doesn't see anyone really. Instead of faces, he sees heads to step on. Or the greedy person, he looks out, he doesn't see anyone. He sees dollar signs, he sees the advantage that he can take. Not to mention the lustful man. Impurity locks us in ourselves so that all we can see when we look out is a projection of our own selfish desires. Not real people. I recently heard a testimony from one of the volunteer missionaries in Portland. There's a group of five volunteer missionaries, some of them from here in Corvallis, who are spending a year in Portland working with the homeless. And one shared about how on account of this deep work of of conversion that the Lord is doing in his heart, for the first time he's able to see the homeless. He used to just pass them by, but now he really sees them. Well, the one with a pure heart lives in a wonderful, almost terrifyingly beautiful world. He's surrounded by people, by people, each one an incredible reflection of the infinite glory of God. How can we recover our sight? How can we gain pure hearts? There are three steps. The first one is to go to Jesus. Revelation says that the saints were the ones who washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. It's a strange image, isn't it? Their robes are washed white in the scarlet blood of the Lamb. But right there is the mystery of our salvation and the foundation of all holiness. The holiness of the saints is from the blood of Christ. So the Word of God doesn't say that the saints were the ones who were born with naturally good dispositions. It doesn't even say that the saints were the ones with iron wills. It says that the saints were the ones who washed themselves in the blood of the Lamb. They washed themselves in the blood of the Lamb, and Christ made them pure, and Christ made them holy. So, if we want pure hearts, let's go to Him and let's wash ourselves in His blood. Let's go to Him again and again and again, and He will make us pure. The second way to gain a pure heart is to shut off every toxic influence. Remember who you are and who you're called to be. John says, In his letter, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope based on him makes himself pure, as he is pure. He says, don't forget who you're called to be. You're called to be like Christ, pure like him, holy like him. Don't forget your destiny. Don't forget that you have a place reserved for you in heaven among the saints in glory. Don't forget that you're meant to shine and nothing one day will impede that light. And if you remember who you are, well, it will be obvious the things that don't belong in your life, the things that you need to cut out, the things that have nothing to do with one who is called to be a saint among the saints in heaven. Finally, love. Our souls are like rivers, they stay clean and fresh by moving, by being poured out. That's why Jesus says, give alms and everything will be made clean for you. Impurity amounts to turning everything to ourselves, to our own advantage, for our own pleasure. And so we become like stagnant swamps. But when our love is poured out, it stays fresh and pure. So let's fight for purity. It's a hard fight. Our culture is against us. And many times, even our own hearts are against us. But Christ is for us. And all the saints in heaven are fighting with us. And if we fight, though we fall many times, we will triumph. John saw in his vision of heaven a multitude of saints with palm branches in their hands. And the palm branch represents victory. There is victory for the one who fights for purity in this life. There is victory. When we arrive there, the battle will be over. And we'll no longer have to fight with our own hearts. And our hearts will be simple and pure. And for the first time, we'll look around and we'll see a multitude of saints from every race and tongue and tribe and people. And we'll really see them And for the first time, we'll see the one who has always seen us and loved us.